Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's Chrissy, Xander, and Charlie. And today we're going to be talking about what our clients are prioritizing, especially for 2024, and what we see are going to be big projects for not only our clients, but probably would inspire you to figure out your own priorities within your own org or may even align with those. And we want to talk about why we think they should be priorities or why they have been coming up as priorities and kind of tell you our thoughts on if they make sense to do that and which ones are the most, you know, high effort, low impact or high impact, high impact and you need to plan for. So yeah, we're going to keep this flowing. We're going to fire them up. We have like nine that we're going to go through. So get ready. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start with the first one here. And we've talked about it on the podcast and we've talked about it a lot on LinkedIn recently, but I think email is a big focus for marketers for 2024. I mean, obviously we we talked about it, but Google and Yahoo have put in more restrictions around how you're emailing folks with a Gmail or Yahoo inbox. They have backtracked a little bit and it's just for personal domains, but I feel like just with that conversation and it had marketing teams thinking about, oh, we've probably been you know, abusing our email channel. And I think with this big focus on this like free channel when budgets were tight, I think companies are feeling the effects of that. You know, their emails are not getting delivered. The delivery is really poor. And also just prospects are numb to email. So how are we going to engage folks or how are we going to do a better job with email is a big priority for our clients and what we're hearing. And so first starting that with like the lens of like, how is our deliverability? Are our protocols set up right? Do we have SPF, DHIM, and DMARC? DMARC is a new requirement for that too. But then alternatively, how do we measure the effectiveness of email? It's pretty complicated. We talk about that in one of our past podcasts, but I think a big part is going to be engagement. And knowing too that like engagement can be reading the email. So like you shouldn't, you need to take some of the metrics of the grain of salt and then also know that the more targeted you are, the better. Like you want to leave a good impression with email as a channel instead of a bad impression because you can cause more harm than good. And that can keep the emails that actually are really good, you know, from hitting your prospects inboxes purely based on the bad practices. And then I think the big thing is doing a holistic look at how your whole org is sending email, not just marketing is a big thing we're hearing. So doing more of a deep dive into that and, you know, assessing what is that orchestration communication look like across the whole revenue team. So we know that everything's all aligned and we're not over communicating to prospects. Big one. Very important, I think. So should be prioritized. Very important. Maybe equally important as the next one. Should I go into the next one? Yeah, do it. Next up, is something that I feel like we're talking about with every single client these days, every single potential client, and that is custom object funnel tracking. So I think just over the last decade or so, people have just banged their head against a brick wall trying to get different versions of funnel tracking to work. And it's becoming pretty clear now that the way to get good, robust data for your funnel and to be able to facilitate a good business process and retain data the right way, you really need to track your final data on a different object other than 
leads and contacts and a custom object is probably the best method there. Giving you that multi-journey capture, creating a new record for every funnel journey if, if leads and contacts are getting recycled, single report type in Salesforce. You can track upsells easily. You can make sure that you're using that object to sync to BI and not no longer have reporting in Salesforce not match BI. So all of these things are just like people tried to do it back in 2010 one way and then they tried it a different way in 2012 and then 2014. 20, and it's just they've got to the point now where you just have to invest in this. And obviously we're really excited about this because we've got a solution that can help our clients with this. But it really is something that a lot of companies that we're speaking to today and just yesterday, you know, we're getting like inbound forms coming through. You know, we need help thinking about custom objects, final tracking, and like it's explicitly asked for now. Whereas in the past, it was like we would have to try and convince people or, or educate them. It's really starting to see people just go, we need this. Let's do it. Yeah. Somewhere along the lines, I think there's maybe two things. People stopped tracking the funnel because we see that a lot. Like you have no funnel. And then also too, they really are stopping focusing on top funnel and need to tie back to op like opportunities. And the custom object is like the best way to do that. So agree. All right. What about you, Xander? This one's actually kind of a new topic for us. We, ha we haven't talked a lot about it, but it's definitely coming up with our clients. And that is improving or creating their own partner programs. I think that, you know, with the change of how exhausted buyers are with their emails, digital advertising, like how do I get into new accounts? Then also, how do I go deeper with my existing accounts? Uh, a lot of the organizations that I'm working with are really trying to figure out how to make that partner program work well for them, both from in operations, like how do I get my deal registrations to come through effectively? How do I onboard new partners effectively? But more importantly, how do I tie the partner performance to my funnel attribution that we just talked about? And so it's kind of a, it's been an interesting uh, opportunity for us to be able to not only help operationalize partners, but help operationalize partners so that way it actually supports you in your funnel reporting and your attribution reporting. I know in my past, that was never really a part of the conversation. And so you would get these debates across the team of, well, is the partner really the one that sourced this or did it come from marketing or did it come mm -hmm. from X, Y, and Z? And so it's just really important for the for teams to sit down, try and figure out what the purpose of their partner program is, and then figure out how that's going to fit with their existing direct marketing and sales channels. So I think that, you know, as as we continue to try and find ways of building out and getting more market share, working with trusted partners is really effective. And we see it from our side because we're a partner for a lot of organizations. And when I get off of those calls, I know that the vendors that I talk to are like, I love when I work with good partners because they're helping us along the way. So if you're not doing that today, definitely something to prioritize. Totally. Yeah. And agree. Like I think partners can play such a huge role in closing that business. So the next one I think we've seen come through a lot. Same thing kind of Charlie was talking about where with inbound People explicitly saying, hey, we need help with, you know, custom object funnel tracking. I would say the next one that's most popular to that is around ABM or like ABX and how you operationalize it. I think a lot of the, a lot of the uh, market got a little bit confused and thinking like, I'm going to get an ABM tool and that's going to be like our strategy and operationalizing it. And that dream that was sold to them never came true. <laughs> 
And so now they're taking an approach of like, okay, we actually need to really be a bit more strategic in how we set up our ABM program. You know, how are we going to classify our accounts and tier them? Marketing's taking more of a role in, you know, selecting those target accounts. And then for us, it's like really thinking about, okay, then beyond that, like, how do we measure it? Like, how does that flow then the data into our marketing team to use for campaigns? How do we support that like whole process? And it's something we're actually doing a big focus on. Like Xander's actually doing a big part of it. Um, and I know we talked about account stages on one of the last podcasts, but it's a huge focus. And I, I think it's like, makes sense. Like, you know, companies need to be focused with their dollars and only focus on like the accounts that are really going to convert for them. And so having a strong process that the whole revenue team can use for focusing on those accounts and how to market to them is going to be super important. So still very important. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of these are things that we've been talking about for years and are just still important, but people have maybe just tried it the wrong way for a while. And now there's like, they're really trying to get, this is next year is going to be the year we actually get this right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. All right. Next one. I feel like we haven't really talked about a lot on this podcast. And so, but yeah, what's next one, Xander? Uh, Next one is a renewed or increased focus on security. This may not necessarily be starting from the revenue operations team, but it's definitely something that is impacting revenue operation teams across all of our orgs. Figuring out, you know, what's the least amount of access that we can provide either in-house people or contractors, consultants, customers, you know, all of the data that we have access to within our CRMs and within marketing automation tools is very vast. And each tool has their own level of security. We're not solving this problem the same way in all of our tools. And so I think that there is this renewed focus on making sure that we are protecting our clients' data, uh, our customer data, our prospect data as effectively as possible because nothing can impact your public image worse than having a negative security breach that you had, you know, responsibility to protect. And so if the security teams are not the ones that are reaching out to you saying, hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z in 2024, it's honestly a good idea to reach out to those teams, become a good partner if you're not already a good partner, and figure out what should we be doing so that way the egg doesn't have to fall onto your face as the leader of RevOps. Really take that opportunity to be a force of change across the organization and find the people that you need to partner with will be really key for next year. Yeah. I think also just focusing on like governance of being part of that too, around security governance, like within your own tools, even for your own employees, I think should be kind of focused on. I think employees have a, a good intentions, but you still, it still is, I don't know, like a loose end that people sometimes mm-hmm. don't think about. And then there's certain tools where it's locked down, you know, like Salesforce. But then, like you said, there could be like your marketing automation platform or outreach, which or, you know, sales off, sales engagement platform, anything like that, or a BI tool. And maybe it's not using the same type of governance around it, but there's basically the same data in those tools that you'd get within like your Salesforce. And so really being mindful of like, not just focusing on one central tool, but just all of your tech stack, especially if they're dealing with sensitive data. So we see that a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not our second nature where, you know, I didn't grow up trying to become a security expert, but everybody has to be a security expert in their own way. Yeah, totally. Consequences are quite severe. All right. So next one, we wouldn't be one of the cool kids if we didn't mention AI. So we've got to bring this one up. The conversations that I've had with clients and potential clients around AI, I think we're still in the discovery phase. I think people are trying to play around with it, get familiar with these new versions of AI that we can, we can play around with, right? Like chat GPT and other integrations. It's probably going to be next year led by the tech tools and what they implement when it comes to AI. So some cool stuff that we've been using is the AI call summaries with Gong. I think there's a lot of powerful use cases that could be brought out with that, like updating, you know, deals with information automatically. You know, I think there's some even more cool stuff with Gong, like where you can ask like what deals are at risk and a lot of different kinds of alerts based on all the conversations. So nothing that's like super out of this world, kind of crazy AI taking our jobs. It's more just, okay, how are they going to be, how is it going to be baked into existing workflows and just optimizing a lot of what people are doing? And I think the next year is going to be where we actually see some of that. I think this year was like, okay, there's all this cool stuff coming, a lot of kind of crazy theories, some we even talked about on this podcast. And next year is going to be a more, or like what we're especially we're hearing when we're talking to clients is like, okay, there actually might be some practical implementations, but we still haven't quite got to, you know, everyone should be worried about what they're going to do for a living. So it's more right. just like small, more niche use cases within the tools that companies are trying to find to just drive some efficiencies. Totally. I think the big, big thing around efficiency, like I even think back like, you know, 13 years ago with like Mark Automation, a big selling point was like efficiency. How can you reduce your woman hours, man hours, you know, for doing X task when you could have this tool automate that? And I see AI to start being in that kind of conversation. It's like, okay, tools will have these things. And can we first figure out how to get like, eke out more efficiency from them, more insights in a way where we don't have someone to actually manually do that or take away some tasks like clean up on data or opportunities or things like that you're talking about in a more automated fashion. Like that's kind of where I'm hoping to see things go, but it takes time, you know, it takes time to actually get those early adopters and, and see how it's going to actually work in a way that like makes sense for these companies. So I like it. All right. What about the next one, Xander? Next one. And I saw this a lot in 2023. And now, especially as we start to think about team restructures in 2024, um, is in ops team convergence. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, does RevOps really work? Is it is it an, a necessary mechanism that you need from a team structure perspective? Is it more of a philosophy? I'm seeing more and more of our clients moving toward it being a team structure change. But the positive thing that I'm seeing, at least with the clients that I'm getting to work with, is that the RevOps leaders really want to understand marketing operations and are trying to bridge that gap for the ones that are traditionally um, in the sales ops background, right? And so mm -hmm. I think that the more that marketing ops leaders can be partnering with revenue operations leaders to make sure that we are truly solving this, this revenue problem together is going to be key. And, you know, whether it's the team change, but at the end of the day, just having that collective 
group of operational leaders who are all marching toward the same goal and helping keep the marketing and sales teams aligned and customer success teams aligned on the on the overall goals is going to be key. Totally. Yeah. I feel like you're kind of alluding to maybe a like a better way of doing like a RevOps team, like make companies more focused on like how to actually make this work. Because I think a lot of people tried, but then their way of doing that was like, oh, let's just put everyone under the sales ops person. And then like everyone's going to have alignment automatically. And it's like, no, that's not the way it works. So I think some of the companies that are approaching it more strategically and also have a big awareness that like marketing ops is a, you know, big thing in itself, Mm -hmm. but it's also bridging into like revenue operations, not just marketing operations in a silo. I think those companies are going to really excel with converging those teams. Yeah. 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 All right, Charlie, what's your last one? So I think we definitely saw this a lot this year, given the state of SaaS over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months and probably the high churn rate at a lot of the the tech Mm. vendors out there. There's been a massive increase in the focus on customers and that's going to definitely go into next year. So customer programs, customer retention strategies, data on customers, even when it comes to like our custom object funnel tracking, you know, the, the architecture for that supports tracking a customer funnel. So having a concept of a customer MQL or a customer sales ready when they've reached a certain threshold or there's been some kind of intent, maybe in a different product or something that could relate to an expansion or taking in some product data. So really trying to keep the customers that you've got and grow the customers that you have as a true growth strategy for the business, as opposed to being so focused on net new and just hoping your net new logos coming in exceeds the logos churning, uh, which has kind of been the strategy for SaaS up until maybe the 2020s. So I think the seeing that a lot, and I think it's a very healthy thing and trying to really focus on the customer experience all the way through the funnel from net new to including customers is just a smart business decision and should be a really good thing for for the tech companies and the customer, right? Because how many times have you heard, oh, I signed up, we, we got this tool and I didn't hear from them until three days before the renewal and their support was terrible and there was no help with onboarding and blah, blah, blah. So hopefully this is all going to be you know, rectified and improved going into the next years. And it seems like there's, there's definitely a big focus. And I think those companies like being told from their board, like, hey, this is a priority. Like you can't, we can't just be relying on new, net new business, which is harder to capture. Okay. So my last one is something that I feel like has been a priority for a lot of companies in 2023 as well. But I do see maybe another angle for 2024 is around simplification and consolidation around the tech stack or like just, you know, workflows and automation in general. I think prior, you know, in 2023, it was like kind of taking stock of like, what are all the things that we have? Let's get rid of shelfware. We have to get rid of these reoccurring costs. Now, I think it's continuing to do that, but then also figuring out, okay, looking at the tools that we have, are we paying for a SaaS tool for something that maybe we can just build ourselves or have maybe more of like a kind of one-time fee solution for that? 
Charlie, I think, has talked about this with the team before, but I think everything kind of moved towards SaaS and maybe there's a case for some tools that maybe don't have to be paid as a service can really just be kind of a commodity product. And I think for operators who actually know how to build things that can essentially be a product, CST is a really great example of that. Charlie talked about our custom object funnel tracking. We call that Project Insight and that we can install for clients and they don't have to pay a SaaS subscription. But prior to that, if you wanted funnel tracking from a tool, you had to. And so I think operators and revenue teams are probably going to do more focus on like, okay, how can we, you know, maybe build something ourselves, especially if if your company has maybe had to also scale back a bit. Um, So maybe you had really intense routing, but now your sales team has been cut in half or a quarter, might be time to reassess and I think if you're using Salesforce, them having, you know, flow and that being a bit more efficient too and building things without Apex has opened the possibilities for operators to think about what they can build themselves versus pay for. And so, yeah, so I feel like 2024 will be interesting to see what comes out of that and operators maybe getting um, creative on what they can do to replace some of those SaaS tools. Um So yeah, to end, I kind of wanted to flip this and say like to both of you, if a company say they didn't have any of this, but these are some things that they were thinking about and prioritizing, what's like the number one or or two thing that you think that they should prioritize as kind of like a key pillar project to start where maybe some other ones can just be kind of like a nice to do? Or is it all of them? I don't know. It probably depends, but... I would say, I guess the, the, it depends it's solved by you've given the scenario where they don't have any of this. So if you don't have any of this, I mean, we always say the most fundamental critical area of your revenue growth architecture is your funnel. Not only is it an analytics exercise, it's also a business process. So you could be doing all the marketing in the world, have the best security, be using AI, got a great like ops team set up. But if you don't have a good business process around how you're capturing demand, converting that demand into customers in the most efficient manner through a good sales process, and and then you have good data to be able to make better decisions around that process and what marketing programs and campaigns and channels are driving the most high velocity and high conversion accounts and or people through the funnel, then everything else is kind of not even useful, right? Because it's just so reliant on that fact. So I'd say maybe that's number one. What about you, Xander? I'd agree. And then I would put for number two, if you don't have a strong customer process, customer strategy on how we're going to retain the folks that you invested so much time and energy and money to get in the first place. And if we are not figuring out how to make that buyer experience and that customer experience better and, you know, growing that base, it doesn't really matter, you know, if there's anything else on this list. And I would even say like the custom object tracking is really essential and, and it's great that we can use it for the for the customer side. But like if you had a very, very small limited budget and you know that you already have account managers that know their accounts, like let's try and figure out what we can do to grow within those. And I think that you'll get a very large lift in your efforts there. Yeah, I would say even for me when I was thinking about like ABM or ABX, like just being more targeted with the accounts, which could be even some of your customers, depending on your tiering, that could help other things like your email strategy being more better because you're picking when to be higher touch and 
be a bit more personalized, be focused instead of casting a wide net, like you said, could help with better customer retention because you're actually prioritizing even your customer key accounts. Yeah. And then even partner programs, because you can then take your target account list and then work with partners to figure out if they can overlap with you and have some key of the you know accounts to help you target. And I feel like that's a great thing for partners to do, like really be prescriptive with your partners to say, hey, these are accounts we're going to go after. Is there any overlap here? Are you already engaging some of these accounts? And so ABM, ABX is my mind too, to add on to yours. Great. Well, this is a, a good one. I liked it. Um, if you have any other priorities, you know, let us know. Um, send us a message. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Again, email rga at csdmarketing.com if we want to tackle um, one of your kind of questions or key topics for your projects you're going in for this year. And we'll see you next time on the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. Have a good one.